0: Go in here because I've got a lot to talk about tonight and uh, you know you guys we've been talking about prayer and um, kind of giving the fundamentals of prayer over these past couple of weeks and then I guess what stirred this up was something I said uh, I don't know a month ago hey do you guys want to hear more about the types of prayer and everyone was like yeah and it's just now we've just now gotten to that point so that's what I'm going to bring you guys tonight I'm going to try my best to get through all of them, because there's a lot, Um, and if we go just a little long, it's better than me carrying this over another week, because this is good stuff, and um, so I hope you got a notebook and a good pen. I should have made you a little outline or whatever, but you know, here we are. So, um, we just, uh, I just want to bring you um, kind of a synopsis, I guess, a, a summary of each of these types of prayer tonight um, because really I guess Pastor Allen could do a whole Sunday morning sermon on every one of these an hour long or maybe maybe more um, but I'm just going to give you the basics of these so that you understand that there are different types of prayer and what they are and and um, you know what we what we can do f- with them to have effective prayer okay and uh, so if you start getting sleepy like just you know slap yourself or something this not this not an evangelistic message this is very much a teaching message teaching about these types of prayer and then what i want to make sure that you don't get from this message is that you don't pray don't don't go and not pray just cuz you think you might get the method wrong cuz that's not right either okay we should be praying Continually having conversation with God. And sometimes that just looks like me having a conversation with Debbie. Or, I mean, it's just a conversation, you know. So don't get all focused on the types and say, Gosh, I don't remember which type am I supposed to pray. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, so I'm just not going to pray. Don't do that. Keep praying, okay? What these are going to do is help position you for more effective prayer. As you learn to utilize these. Okay. And so the thing is that people make a big mistake. Of lumping all these prayers together in one bag. And and not knowing the difference between one or the other. You know. It's kind of like. You got all kind of sports. But each one has its own rules. You don't yell out home run when someone makes a touchdown. Right. You know the difference between the rules of football and baseball. And hockey and all that. So. They're all sports, but they each have their own flavor, their own purpose. And it's kind of the same with these types of prayer. They're all prayer. They're all sourced from the same place, from the Holy Spirit. But they each have a different set of rules. Does that make sense? All right. And so that's kind of what I want to go over with you guys tonight. I'm just going to list them out and kind of give you the um, summary of what that type of prayer is. Some you might recognize some you might be doing, you didn't know that that was a specific type of prayer. Um, so let's just go ahead and jump in those so we can get them all in tonight, okay? So I started with this one. Number one is the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. Sometimes called the prayer of petition. And there's another type of prayer of petition that I'll talk about in a minute, but this particular type of of prayer of petition is for yourself so we're going to start with ourself i don't know if that's right to put ourself first but let's get ourself done and get us out of the way let's just put it that way so the prayer of faith i'm going to read a couple of verses matthew 21 21 22 says so jesus answered them and said assuredly i say to you if you have faith and do not doubt but and you only do what was done to the fig tree. You can't only do what was done to the fig tree. But also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. So that's a summary of what was said after that whole incident with the fig tree. Okay? Mark eleven twenty four, And we all know this one. Therefore, I say to you, whatever thing you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So the prayer of faith is a prayer of petition, okay? It's asking for something. And it's a prayer that changes things, okay? And it's a prayer that you pray for your own self, all right? This prayer is always based on God's revealed will in His Word, okay? It never, it never contains the words, if it be your will, Because when you pray the prayer of faith, you are praying God's will. You already know what His will is, and you are praying His will, okay? God's promises are always yes and amen, right? Always. Okay, so you're not praying to get Him to change something or do something on His end. You're praying with knowledge of what He's already promised, okay? And so it's our responsibility to ask, So the promises are there. We have to latch on to those, believe them, and ask. All right? And notice it says in that verse, it it changes things, not people. It's a prayer that changes things, not people in particular. The prayer of faith applies to a person's own life, his own circumstances, and his own situations. And... You can pray in faith or pray a prayer of faith for another person, but that person has a will too, okay? And so the prayer of faith that you pray for another person still hinges on that person's will, all right? So a prayer of faith is basically applied to your desires, the desires of your heart. It's a prayer for your own self. Mark eleven twenty four. 24 Has to do with receiving the desires of your heart. That's things. That's not people. That's things. It says whatsoever things. That you desire. And we have to realize that it's God's will. That all of these things. All of these needs that we have. That's his will that they are met in our lives. Physical. Spiritual. Emotional. Financial. Material. It's his will that. Those things are met in our lives. And there are scripture to prove that and to back that up. Okay? So it's a done deal on his end. That's his will. The prayer of faith prays his will. Let's look at James 5.15. It says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed any sin, they shall be forgiven him. Okay? Okay. What if we substitute God's definition of faith in that one scripture? So what is God's definition of faith? We know it. Hebrews 11.1. 1, what does that say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So if we stick that in there when we say, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, we can actually say the prayer of the evidence of things not seen will heal the sick. That's faith. Alright, or Romans 4, 17 says, Call those things that be not as though they are. Okay? So, the prayer of faith shall save the sick really says the prayer of calling those things that be not as though they were will heal the sick. That's what the prayer of faith is. It doesn't, the prayer of faith doesn't say, um, pray and then look to see if what you prayed for got done. Right? No, the prayer of faith prays with the eyes of faith and sees things done even though they don't materialize in front of their eyes. You see with the eyes of faith, okay? All of our prayers have to be prayed in faith, that's true, you know, Hebrews 11 6 it says for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When we go to the father in any prayer we have to believe that he's hearing us and we have to believe that he answers us that's praying in faith right believing that God's listening but the prayer of faith is what you pray for yourself in order to receive what uh, legally already belongs to you. Alright, does that make sense? According to the will of God. It's a, it, it's a time when you pray, um, you believe when you pray this that you are receiving and have received already what you're praying for. Prayer of faith. Okay? So that's the prayer of faith. Does it, Does everybody understand the prayer of faith? It's when you pray according to the will of God that's already been established in his word. Things such as healing. All right? You're not, you don't beg for healing. Healing's done. You pray in faith according to healing, according to provision, according to lots of things, okay? All right, the second one, which is also a prayer of petition, is called the prayer of supplication. We've read that word, you read that word, when you're reading scripture, some, something, some, some, supplication. And we sometimes just skip right over that word because it's a big long word, we don't know what it means. Supplication is more of a heartfelt prayer than just a casual prayer. It is a earnest, heartfelt prayer that you can pray for yourself or for others. It's not necessarily just about you. Alright, it is prayed in a, we learned this word, fervent. Remember that word, fervent, that we learned a couple of weeks ago or last week? It's a fervent prayer. It's a desired prayer, heartfelt. And it's basically pr- praying scriptures over your situation or the situation of someone else. So who can you make supplication for? That's kind of the way we word that thing is we make supplication for something or someone who... Who can we give that? Who can we make supplication for? Well, first, we can pray the prayer of supplication for ourselves concerning natural things and spiritual things. Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known unto God. Okay? Second, we can make supplication for God's people, for believers. For the saints, all right. Ephesians six eighteen, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching there to thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, for all saints. And then thirdly, we are not we might we are to pray the power of supp- the the prayer of supplication over. All men who are in authority. It says all men and those in authority. Alright. That would include someone that's not a believer. So it's proper to pray a prayer of supplication. For someone that's not a believer. In particular someone in authority. Alright. It's First uh, Timothy 2, 1 and 2. It says exhort therefore that first of all. And it's funny it says first of all. First of all, supplication, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So it, we need to start right there. Uh, we should put that in the, opposite, the backwards order. We need first pray for those in authority. Then pray for those that are believers that need our prayer and then pray for ourselves, right? All right. Now, what can we make supplication for? We're talking about supplication. One of the things that we've already talked about is we can make a prayer of supplication for laborers to be sent out into the harvest. We should be praying for that. It should be on a regular, like, if you want to make you a notebook and remember to pray for some things... Pray for those in authority and make a prayer supplication that laborers be sent out into the harvest field. Supplication can be made for the rain of God's spirit to be poured out on the earth. Remember we talked about that. Get those podcasts if you hadn't heard that explanation about the rain of the spirit of God. All right? Um... Zechariah 10 1 says ask ye of the Lord the rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. Okay. So that word in that verse that says ask it means to desire ask earnestly. A, a, a deep desire. Okay. And so when you see in pray, the prayer of supplication it, it you notice that it always has something to do with fervent prayer, earnest prayer, heartfelt, and even has an implication of continuation, continued. So it's something that you can pray again. Okay? The, the the prayer of faith, let me back up one. The prayer of faith, you should pray it one time and then that's it. Don't be praying the the prayer of faith over and over and over again. Because if you pray it over and over again, it's as if you didn't believe it the first time. All right, Prayer of faith is based on a promise that's already there. You pray the promise, and then what do you do after that? Believe and confess, get your thinking right, get your words right, and give thanksgiving. Right? Guard your heart and all that other stuff that we talked about that night. But a prayer of supplication can be made over and over and over. We should pray for our president every day, for our nation, for the world, for the lost. We should pray continually about that, okay? It has great power. Mighty things happen in the spirit when we do that. And another thing that you can offer a prayer of supplication on a personal level is for forgiveness, repenting, confessing your sins, all right? That's a, that's a prayer of supplication when you confess a sin because that's heartfelt. There's some depth there. You're being earnest about that, right? And then finally, the, the prayer of supplication can be prayed to lift up spiritual needs of other, other people, spiritual needs of other people. All right. So we got that. Supplication. Y'all got that? All right. The next one is the prayer of consecration. That's a big fancy word. The prayer of consecration or dedication. The prayer of dedication. Now, this is a big deal. That's a big word that basically means dedicating our lives to God's will for our life. To go anywhere, to do anything that he asks us to do. That's dedication or consecration. And it's one time in prayer that it is okay to say, if it be thy will. It's okay to say that when you're praying a prayer of consecration. Let me show you why. Luke 22, 40 through 42, it said, this is Jesus. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw away. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's Jesus. And it's interesting to me to to remember to think about Jesus. He wasn't being forced onto the to death. He wasn't being forced to the cross. He could have at any moment said, Nope, change my mind. Where's the angels? Couldn't he? He wasn't being pressed to do that. Matter of fact, his flesh was screaming out, please no, I don't want to do this. In his flesh. You know that right? He could have not done what he did. But he prayed a prayer of consecration. And dedicated himself. Unto the will of the father. And that was the only way he got through it. Okay. And so. If we're going to be used by God. To, to do the same thing. Bring forth glory into this earth we have to offer ourselves to god by surrendering completely to his will we got to let go of the world and the pleasures of the world throw off our fleshly desires in other words and and desire more than that the outpouring of his spirit on this earth it's it was more important to jesus for the outpouring of the spirit on this earth than it was the sacrifice he was making with his own flesh, okay? And so the first step for us to get into that place with God is that prayer of consecration. We are not going to on our own do it. And let me just tell you, when you pray a prayer of consecration, honestly, sincerely, with all intent, there's going to be some wrestling involved in that that kind of prayer does not come without some ah okay when when god begins to show you what he wants to do with you our flesh will rise up and say i don't want to do that i don't want to forgive that person because you know you know what they did to me i can't i can't forgive them i don't want to uh stop watching my tv every night and Or my phone and instead go read the word. I don't want to do that. I'd rather watch TV. Wrestling. You see what I'm saying? I don't want to be nice to that person that's not nice to me. I don't want to get up and go to church. I'm tired. I want to sleep. You see what I'm saying? And sometimes when we consecrate ourselves and realize how far out of the will of God we are. We kind of get shocked at ourselves. I can't believe that I'm this messed up. Like I can't even do this simple thing. Turn the TV off. I'm kind of embarrassed about my own self here. All right, We might even get mad at ourselves. and, And you know just I can't believe that I'm so selfish. When you begin to realize what you've put ahead of the will of God in your life. People want to know what's the will of God in my life consecrate yourself and find out (laughs) put your flesh down stop chasing the world okay we can encourage others kind of this way jesus went through the exact same thing went in that garden that night he went through the the same thing that i just mentioned it wasn't about tv or you know the internet but in his flesh he did not want to do what he had to do and his soul, his mind, and his flesh became so sorrowful and heavy that he just fell on his face and asked God, is there anything else we can do? Can, can you have another plan? Because this is too... Uh, it was bearing on him. Okay? So, what if God asks you to do something that is bearing on you in that same way? Okay, consecrate yourself. God strengthened Jesus, brought him out on the other side, on the good side, and he brought Jesus to a place of full cons- consecration. He was able through that prayer to lay his flesh down and, and be able to do what God was calling him to do. Not, Father, not my will yours be done. And that's kind of the way it's going to be when we surrender ourselves to God. In your heart, you want to obey him. I could ask all of you. In your heart, you want to do the will of God. But your flesh says, oh, and if you try just in your natural strength to obey, your flesh will win every time. Your flesh is going to win every time. If we pray the prayer of consecration, we can overcome the flesh, all right? So, who's in to practice this praying of consecration? <laughs> yes. It's uh, it's not easy, but it's something that if you want to walk in the perfect will of God, you have to, another way we say it is set apart. Set apart, be set apart, all right? All right, here's the next type of prayer and this one's super important to me suddenly right now um, is something that we've been talking about and it is the prayer of worship or the prayer of praise and worship you can call it that the prayer of praise and worship did you know praise and worship is a prayer (laughs) all right I'm going to read you um, Acts 13. At the beginning, verse 1, it says, Now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Saul and a bunch of other guys. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and sent them away, so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia and from thence they sailed to Cyprus all right I want you to look at that Acts 13 at verse 2 look at that it says in verse 2 as they ministered to the Lord and fasted as they ministered to the Lord and fasted so for most people the only kind of prayer That we're really familiar with. Is the prayers of petition. Asking God to do something. But in this particular text. These people weren't petitioning God for anything. They weren't asking him for anything. It says they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Ministering to the Lord. Is the prayer. Of praise and worship. When we come together at church. Tonight or on Sunday morning. We usually minister to one another. Right? Our services are just set up that way. That's what Sunday morning church is all about. We sing songs. But the songs that we sing. Usually. Minister to us more than they minister to the Lord. We sing a lot of songs that are me based. What you've done for me. But. What I'm going to do because of you. Or what I need from you. Or what I've laid down for your sake. We talk about ourselves a whole lot in this singing. When we pray in church. Our praying is primarily a petition to God. Asking for things when we pray in church. When the minister speaks. He's not really ministering to the Lord because his job is to minister to the people. So, there again. Of course, that's what he's supposed to do, but he's not ministering to God. He's ministering to the congregation. And then at the end, people come forward for prayer because they need something or they want something. Pray with me for this or for that. And there's no really ministering to the Lord That happens. Now, I don't want to anybody get me wrong on that. Everything I just said is appropriate and necessary and fulfills the purpose of a Sunday morning service. All right. So those things are good. They're not wrong. But always asking the Lord to minister to us and never ministering to Him—that's wrong. Okay, And it just seems that we've gotten far away from the prayer of worship. When we wait on God and minister to him, we're not asking him for anything. We are ministering unto him. And did you know it's in that kind of atmosphere of praise and worship that God can do more for people than if we stand up here for an hour and pray for them? You know how big that is, right? He can more freely and easily and readily move in the midst of people when they are not focused on me, but focused on him. That's good, yeah? And here's a big bonus. Ministering to the Lord brings deliverance. That's a big word too, deliverance. I want to be delivered from something. Someone needs deliverance. There is a close relationship between ministering to the Lord and receiving deliverance from our tests and our trials and hardships and things in our life that we feel like we can't get through. Acts sixteen twenty two it says this. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Talking about Paul and Silas, okay? And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. All right? So that's Paul and Silas in the midst of suffering. Severe suffering. And it says in, in, in verse 25, it says... And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Okay? They didn't sing praises to each other. They weren't singing, you know, worship songs like we hear on the radio to the other prisoners. They were singing praises unto God. They, I'm convinced they couldn't have been singing some of the songs we sing. In church or on the christian radio station because a bunch of those don't sing worship unto god they were singing praises to god by the way i've we've worked really hard to fix some of that at compass church we are being intentional about the songs that we sing in our worship set and we're making some changes that way because we begin to recognize The importance of singing songs that magnify him. Okay? But in Acts 16, 25, it says that Paul and Silas sang unto God. Now, their backs were still bleeding, right? Their feet were still in the stocks, right? They were still locked into the inner prison, right? It was midnight The situation was bad. It had not changed. Nothing great had happened. It was the worst moment of their life. They had no manifestation of any deliverance that they could see. And yet, look what happened. I'm convinced that most Christians would quit continuing to pray over and over about the same thing. And if they would just start praising God, some great things would happen. Some deliverance would come for them, like real fast. If they just quit begging, hanging on to this, whatever, and just let that go and begin to praise. I mean, really praise God. All right? So it says they prayed and sang praises unto God. And get this, and the other prisoners heard them. And the jailer heard them. They were not being quiet. They weren't singing under their breath. They weren't playing a little ditty over here and, you know, kumbaya. They were singing praises so loud that the whole jail heard them. And the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? If a song is in your heart... It's going to come out. And you should let it come out. Alright? Do like Paul and Silas. Walk in the light of the word. They weren't worried. They didn't let that get them discouraged. Have an attitude of praise. This is really important to me right now. Especially, you know, start since I've been up here in praise and worship and Kind of getting an idea of the songs that we sing. This has really hit home for me. And I want our, even our Sunday morning service, though it may need some aspects of ministering to each other and to other people, I want a layer of ministering to God in our Sunday morning service. Are y'all good with that? Yeah. All right. The next type of prayer. I'm trying to hurry through them. I'm not doing a very good job of hurrying. The next type is united prayer, or what we call corporate prayer. United or corporate prayer. Acts 4.24 said, They lifted up their voices to God with one accord. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting where everyone in the room is praying out loud all at the same time? That's, good. That's when it's getting good right there. Okay. All that praying out loud. Mixing their voices together. Have you ever been in something like that? That is united prayer. Corporate prayer. And when we're talking about Paul and Silas in that prison. It says they lifted their voices in prayer and praise. And so it was so loud. The jailer heard them. And the prisoners heard them. And it had so much effect. That it caused the prison to shake. It made an earthquake. And that was just two of them. <laughs> you can look at it like this. If you have a, house, a key, a house key, has all these little bumps in it, right? Little notches, little bumps, and all those little bumps go together to go in that lock, to turn it to open it. But your neighbor's key has a different pattern different little notches, different little bumps on it to open their door. Okay? So you can look at it like each one of us are like one of those little notches. And by ourselves, we can't open the same doors that we can open if we get together with other notches and create a key that can open something that couldn't be opened before. Does that make sense? Corporate prayer is kind of like that. Not one person by themselves that can accomplish what we can accomplish when we're united. It's a blending together of different anointings. Do you ever get together with a group of people and pray? And then the next time you get together with those same people, except one person might be missing and it's got a different dynamic. And you go, well, the last time we had a really good, you know, prayer about Whatever. But that missing person is the person that brings that anointing to that prayer circle. That is why it's important for our corporate prayer to have a lot of people there. We need a lot of people at corporate prayer because it's more notches in that key. We can open bigger things. All right? We have that anointing and power of the Spirit on the inside of us. And when we get together with other believers, your anointing mixes with my anointing in a unique way. And it brings a fuller measure of the Spirit. Fuller measure. What fuller? What does that mean? Let's just say I had a big grand piano sitting right here. And I wanted to move it over there. Well, I could get over there and bump it and push it and pull. And, you know, I might eventually get it pulled over here. So I have a little bit of a measure of being able to move that. But if I get 15 guys the size of Zach, pick up that piano, that thing's over there in two seconds. Right? That's exactly how corporate anointing works. Mighty things can happen when we join together the anointing, people's anointings, and go after something in prayer. We get a greater supply of the Spirit when we join forces. Okay? And you know that doesn't mean you don't pray individually. That's important. And, you know, before you come to corporate prayer, there are certain things that you should come prepared. You should read your Bible at home and worship and have your personal prayer time. But God will call groups of people together to accomplish certain things that you can't get accomplished on your own. And that's when the corporate anointing is you know, put into action. So united prayer brings powerful results. All right? It 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 affects entire groups. So powerful it can bring change to an entire city or a state or a nation. Right? We got to have more united prayer. And one of the key things to that is vocal prayer. So we have corporate prayer. It's not the job of one person. It's not corporate prayer if one person is praying and the rest of the people are sitting there just listening or not, not, not praying. Matter of fact, Paul and Silas weren't quiet about it and they were both probably trying to out pray the other one. And That's how corporate prayer works. Been in corporate prayer that's actually corporate prayer. And everyone is praying loudly, with passion, getting down to the, to the nitty-gritty, yeah, getting something done in the spirit. It's not passive, all right? We got corporate prayer coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to get with it. Can y'all come? Let's, let's do it, all right? All right, the next type of prayer is a prayer of commitment prayer of commitment hmm that sounds interesting Philippians 4 6 says be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and 1 Peter 5 7 casting all your care upon him for he cares for you the prayer of commitment is a prayer where you cast all of your cares onto the Lord It's just that simple. Listen to um, 1 Peter 5, 7 in the Amplified. It says, casting the whole of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on Him. For He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. I like that. Okay? And so if we cast our cares upon the Lord, we commit our problems to Him. Not we just tell him about them. Not, not just talk about our problems. We take that problem and throw it over there on him. That's a prayer of commitment. And casting our cares on the Lord just like he wants us to do would eliminate some of the problems and situations that, that people are struggling with. If they would just take that thing And in prayer, in a prayer of commitment, say, I am done with this. This is yours. I'm not worrying about this anymore. Forget it. I'm done with that. Lord, take that and do what you're going to do with it. Okay? That's a prayer of commitment. God wants to deliver you out of all affliction. That's in Psalms. Deliver you out of all affliction. But in order to help you or deliver you, you're going to have to cooperate with Him. You're going to have to do what the Word says to do. You're going to have to cast those cares on Him. And so if you want victory, you want deliverance, it's not enough just to know that God knows about your problem. Yes, you should tell Him about your problem, but then once you get through telling it, Throw it over there on him. Don't carry that thing around. That's a prayer of commitment. I am committing this thing. When someone gets committed, they get thrown over there and then they can't get out. If a person is committed to prison, they're not going to come back and bother you again. They're locked up over there and you are, you're done. Okay? Same thing. All right. The next one is praying in the spirit. Or praying in tongues, and i I, I guess I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one because we've had a whole two or three week message, and we can come back around to that teaching again about about um, this type of prayer, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, but I'm going to give you a few reminders because it's super important, maybe the most important i don 't know which one's more important, but this is important. Speaking in tongues is the Bible evidence of being, or, you know, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's in Acts 2-4. right, But once a believer is filled with the Spirit, he or she is to maintain a continual experience of speaking in tongues. So, just like you pray these other prayers, intentionally you have to pray in tongues. There's a private speaking in tongues that you do like in your prayer closet as a believer. You commune with God. And then there's public speaking in tongues. All right, I want you to know the difference. There's a different purpose and a different use between simply speaking in tongues in your private devotion and in ministering in tongues in public place in an assembly or a group all right so here's some things about praying in tongues you should remember praying in tongues is a means of building yourself up spiritually building yourself up spiritually in first corinthians fourteen four, it's paul he's saying that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself so you're feeling blue, you're feeling down, having a bad day. Spend some time praying in tongues. You will, that's the best medicine. The best medicine. All right? It will build you up spiritually. All right? Speaking in tongues is also a way that we can magnify God. It says in Acts 10, 46, that it was the household of Cornelius and it says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Alright? Praying in tongues is a way of praying supernaturally. In other words, praying about things that you don't have any previous knowledge of. Things you don't understand. Praying out the will of God. Because you just, you don't have the words. Maybe you don't have all the facts. Okay? And get this, all tongues is not prayer. All tongues, praying in tongues is praying, but all tongues is not prayer. In an utterance, in a public setting, and I don't know who, who of y'all have been in a public setting where a word in tongues has been delivered, and, uh, an outward, outspoken deliverance of a message in tongues, Is always followed by an interpretation. That person's not praying. They're delivering the voice. The message of God. To that assembly. Based on what God's will is. For that group of people. And it's always followed by an interpretation. Okay. There's huge blessings. For believers to receive the Holy Spirit. And speak in tongues. Huge. Huge. Am I looking at y'all? It's big. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit and you don't speak in tongues, pray in tongues, if you've not been baptized with the Holy Spirit, it is necessary. I'm just going to say it like that. It's necessary. All right? It just creates this, I don't know, flowing stream of goodness. <laughs> it's, yes, it's like fried ice cream. Maddox, where do you go? Yes. All right. The next one is the prayer of agreement. We're almost done. Prayer of agreement. Matthew 18:18 18, 18 through 20. Verily I say unto you whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven; whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything That they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Alright? So, I believe Jesus said what he meant, meant what he said. People try to make more of that verse than it is. It is what it is. He said it. He meant it. He didn't lie. It's plain and simple. In order for Matthew 18:19 to work, there has to be at least two people, and we've got to be on earth. And I think that counts for all of us. We can get two people together, and we're right here on earth. That verse is for us. Okay? Period. All we have to do, to do is agree in line with the Word of God. And then the Bible says in that verse, it will be granted unto us. That's pretty good news. All right? He said it. Actually, he said, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. I think the strongest thing that you can say is, I will or I shall. If I said, I, Debbie, I might come to your house later, I'll try. I'll think about it. I'll see. But I will means I will. (laughs) I will is a strong word. All right? You can't say anything stronger than I will. I really will. But that's just us because, you know, sometimes we don't keep our promises. All right? I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I mean, that's pretty blunt. It's pretty cut and dry. Jesus is saying wherever two people are gathering and agreeing in prayer, that he's going to make it right. He's going to make good on it. He declares whatever we bind or loose on earth is loosed or bound in heaven. That's pretty powerful right there. There's no wishy-washy there. I wonder what that means. No, there's no wonder. what That that means what it says. Heaven is Will back you up in whatever you pray when you pray in agreement with someone based on the the will and the Word of God. Period. The prayer of agreement works. All right. You might be a real powerful prayer all by yourself, and that's great. But how much mightier you can be if you join forces with someone else? Corporate prayer is a bunch of people, and it's got its purpose. But if there's something Debbie needed, and she said, I want you to stand in agreement with me, and I say, what is it? And I know it's in line with the Word of God, and we agree on it. It says it will be done. There's no might maybe to it. It will. All right? So we need to have a team. That's why we have a prayer team. We don't just come up here and take the prayer cards. People send in prayer requests. And I don't just stand up here and pray over them by myself. We pray in agreement for those things that people want or people need. And the Bible says that one will put 1,000 to flight. But two will put 10,000 to flight. To me that sounds like one can do a pretty good job. But two people together agreeing can do ten times what the one can do by themselves. That's good, right? Find you a good prayer partner, somebody to team up with, and stand in agreement. All right? All right. I think this is the last one. Prayer of intercession. Prayer of intercession. And we've already touched on intercession. We can have a two-week Teaching on intercession. Intercession is big. Alright. But here's the highlights again. First Timothy 2, 1-4. through four, I exhort therefore that first of all. Supplication, prayer, intercession. And giving thanks be made for all men. For kings. And for all that are in authority. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. In all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable. In the sight of God our Savior. Who will have all men to be saved. And. To come unto the knowledge of the truth. So in this verse. We've read it earlier. Paul lists out four different kinds of prayer. He talks about supplication. And we just learned about. That's an earnest conversation. An earnest deep heartfelt. Something you really want to get to the heart of that. That's a you know praying for someone. Pray or or you know. Something that comes out from deep in your heart, very specific. Supplication is very specific. All right? Then it says prayers. Prayers? I mean, aren't we talking about prayer? So it says all supplication, prayers. Prayers is just requests from God that are just general ideas, wishes, desires. It's just that conversation that you have with God. What would you do today? Uh I had a pretty good day. Oh, yeah, I went to the bank, went to the grocery store. Conversation. That's prayers. That's just prayers. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking one day I might change my job or I might go on a vacation. What do you think about that, God? Just prayers. Conversation. Just talking to God. All right? And then the other one it mentions is thanksgiving. And we've talked about thanksgiving, giving thanks, being thankful, gratitude, a continual expression of gratitude, right? But then it says intercessions. And we learn that this word is the action of standing in the gap for someone, standing in the gap for another. Abraham interceded for Lot and, and Sodom, the whole city of Sodom. Jesus interceded for Jerusalem. And right now Jesus is interceding on behalf of us with the Father, right? So I'm going to read the definition of intercession. It says, intercession is standing in the gap in prayer between a person or persons who have provoked judgment upon themselves through their wrongdoing between that and the actual execution of that judgment. So you got judgment on this side coming and that person on this side and you're in the gap holding that judgment off of that person basically if you want a, a visual picture of it intercession is standing in the gap for someone holding back judgment okay and intercession should be prompted and under the direction of the holy spirit romans 8:26 says this likewise the spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered in articulate speech. Have you ever been in a situation you needed to pray for someone, but you didn't really have all the facts? You know, maybe somebody put on Facebook, unspoken prayer request. You know, have you ever seen anybody put that, unspoken prayer request? You can't really pray effectively for that person. You can pray a general prayer, but you can't really pray effectively for that person. You can't stand in agreement for something you don't know what you're agreeing with. So unspoken prayer request, that person might be wishing that they got a million dollars or they might be wishing that, you know, that that woman's husband would dump her and come live with with this one. You don't know... What are you agreeing with? When person puts unspoken prayer request, you know they generally have a, a sincereness about that. But really, what are you agreeing with? What are you? And so, Romans eight twenty six says in those circumstances, or maybe there was an accident. You got a phone call. So and so was in an accident, and you go, well, what, 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 what happened? What? Well, I don't know any details. Just pray. Okay. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what happened. What, what am I, are they dying or they just broke their leg? Or, or is somebody else... What, what do I pray for? Okay? Romans 8, 26 says, Pray in other tongues. With intercessions, you're praying on behalf of another. And when you don't know the details, the only way that you can pray effectively for that situation is is to pray in the spirit. Period. You can pray a general prayer and that's that's fine. All right? And so during your daily devotions and in your time of quiet you should spend some time in intercession for others. A person, a city, a nation, a people group, but intercede on behalf of someone, okay? It opens the door for God to move on this earth. Did you know he can't? It's like those train tracks. The train can't go if we don't lay some more tracks. Prayer is what opens doors and lays the tracks. It gives God opening to move. All right? So intercede. It's actually probably the way many of us came into the kingdom of God. Somebody was interceding on our behalf. And just a parent praying for their child, that's interceding. Okay, Or someone praying for their friend that's lost. Intercede on behalf of that person. All right. Lastly, Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So the first thing I want you to notice is that verse says, Pray always. It says, and pray on all occasions, in that particular translation, always. The word always is from this Greek word, I can't pronounce it, but it basically translates at every, each and every occasion. Always means with detail at every chance you get. That's always. But then it goes on to say, that you are to pray with all prayers pray always and with all kinds of prayers that that greek for that little phrase all prayers or different kinds of, it bas- it translates with all kinds of prayer so pray all the time on every occasion for every detail with all kinds of prayers all right So all these that are just outlined, that pretty much covers it. When you pray, pray with all kinds of prayers. Don't just pray for me. Don't just get stuck praying, you know, giving thanks, which that's a good thing to do, but, you know, don't get stuck doing one thing. It says pray with all kinds of prayers. How are you going to pray with all kinds of prayers if you don't know what the different kinds of prayers are? All right? So study this out. Don't take my word for it, right? Just do some study about prayer. Focus on these different types of prayers. I hope you wrote them down. Research them. They're a lot bigger than what I gave you tonight. There's a lot more to them or to the, you know, the details. But the word says to pray all the time with all kind of prayer. And I think that's really important. And the only way we're going to do that is knowing what we're doing. You know, having some instruction. So I hope y'all are feeling a little bit more informed. Tell me something.